Well, good morning, everyone. I'd encourage you to pull out your note outline this morning. We are kicking off a Lenten series this morning, Faces in the Crowd. You'll see it on the front of your bulletin as well as the note outline. It's a composite of a number of photos. Each represent a different message from this series. Uh, and each of the messages that are, the one that is on that particular Sunday will be highlighted, as you can see in the lower right-hand corner. This morning, Broken and Spilled Out is what I'll be speaking on based on a very familiar story found in all of the three synoptic gospels. Synoptic, synonym, meaning Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are synonymous gospels. They're called the synoptics. And so you'll find it, my, I'm sorry, my mistake, you'll, you'll find it in three of them. It's in John, Mark, and uh, also in Luke. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as I read the text, please. As you're standing, you can read it directly or follow along directly from your note outline. Grab a pen or pencil. I am going to ask you to interact with the text. As I read, I'll be reading not only from John's text, but also from Mark's rendition of this story. Six days before the Passover, would you underline that phrase? Six days before the Passover. Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary, this would be one of the sisters of Lazarus, took a, about a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house, underline this phrase, was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. There's reasons John says that. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. That sounds like a reasonable argument, and now watch John dispels the argument. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. Underline this phrase, she did what she could. Great phrase, by the way. She poured perfume on my body, underline the word beforehand, to prepare for my burial. Very insightful comments Jesus is making here. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told of her, will be also be told in memory of her. You can be seated. Thank you very much. To set the stage once again for this, uh, notice the text tells us this was six days before the Passover. Which Passover? This would be the Passover where Jesus would be crucified. So very carefully, notice that John is telling us exactly when this is occurring. It's occurring the weekend prior to Easter weekend. And by the way, what weekend would that be? 
Palm Sunday. So this is occurring specifically Palm Sunday weekend, probably Saturday night. Now it's interesting, you're going to see at least three or four different times that Jesus is anointed with perfume, and, we're, and commentators aren't quite sure if it's talking about different incidents or the same incident from a different perspective. Several times it's mentioned that it was done in the house of Simon the leper, who lived in Bethany. By the way, how would you like that for a name? Simon the leper. Now, in this instance, can you tell where the location is happening? Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Now, does that mean he lives in Bethany? Yes. Or does that mean that the, the occurrence took place at the house where Lazarus lived? We're not sure. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. This could have been at the home of Simon the leper. It could have been at the house of Mary and Martha. It says Martha served, but that doesn't necessarily mean she was the hostess. So again, we're not quite sure. However, as you look at these different accounts, you can discover some very interesting things that are occurring. It says that she takes this pint of pure nard. You're aware of the fact that there are certain countries of the world where perfume is made. France is one of them. The other big place is Egypt. When we were in Egypt, Judy and I, we were able to buy, it's not referred to as perfume, it's called essence. I should have brought some of that this morning. You can buy a bottle of essence. And the bottle has this little lid that just sits on the top. And I said, isn't it going to evaporate? She goes, it can't evaporate. This is pure essence. Most expensive, some of the most expensive perfume in the world. They'll sell a little bottle like this for like $300. Because it's pure. There's no alcohol in it. It's not watered down. See, the stuff that you and I, you go to Walgreens and get perfume, that's not pure essence. You set that in a, in a bottle with the lid off, it's going to evaporate. Because it's got other stuff in it, filler and water and alcohol, see. Pure nard is essence. That's what's taking place here. Now, while she was in, there in Bethany, we're not sure whose home it was, the home of either Simon the leper or her own home, what Mary's going to do, she's going to fall at his feet, break, break this alabaster bottle. Alabaster is a, is a stone. And so this would be a stone bottle that's probably very, very thin. Break it, and then she's going to anoint his feet and then dry it with her hair. Another, another version says that she used her tears to wash his feet. Now, what's intriguing to me is that every time that you see Mary in the Scripture, watch this, this is the Mary who's the, the sister of Martha and of Lazarus. Every time you see her, she is always at the feet of Jesus. Take a peek up here at the screen. The first time we see her, which is a very telling moment, Luke chapter 10, she is at the feet of Jesus, listening to the word. Remember, that's when Martha, her sister, kind of flips out and goes, Lord, tell my sister to help me. Remember? Okay, this is the first time she's at the feet of Jesus, Luke 10, 38 through 42, listening to, to his word. Look at the second instance. John 11, 
She is at the feet of Jesus pleading with him. What is this incident? The death of her brother Lazarus. John 11, the raising of Lazarus. Once again, it says that she was weeping and crying. Remember, Jesus purposely delays. He gets there late. Mary comes up. Martha kind of gets in his face. Mary later comes out, and it says that she falls at her feet, at his feet. So this time we see her praying, appealing to the Lord, pleading. Next time we see Mary is this particular incident where she is worshiping at his feet anointing Jesus. Now, with your pen or pencil, I want you to write a word after each of these phrases. Notice her activity. She sat at his feet, she knelt at his feet, and she worshiped at his feet. After the first one, when she sat at his feet, she found blessing. Write the word blessing in. She found, found blessing listening to the Lord. Secondly, when she knelt at his feet, she brought her burden the first time it was, was, was she discovered blessing, this time she was releasing burden. And finally, at the time that she was worshiping, right down the word best, she brought her best. See? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And so she becomes this, this model of what you and I should do. You see, being at the feet of Jesus is a pretty good place to be. Because it's there where I can listen to his word and find blessing. It's where I can appeal to him on my knees and plead and release my burden. It's also the place where I can worship him. Because what we're going to see this morning is that something happens in the heart of this lady that had not happened really in the heart of anybody else. She understood what was going to take place in his life. She knew he's going to die. Nobody else thought, knew that, by the way. Remember, everybody else was trying to talk Jesus out of it. Lord, that will never happen to you, Peter told him. Get thee behind me, Satan, remember? But Mary had unusual insight. She knew he is going to die. Before his death, she knew that. By the way, Jesus says as much in Mark 14, 8. Notice it's in your text. She did what she could. In other words, she knew she could not prevent him from being killed. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She knew exactly what she was doing. She, did, she wasn't saying, you know what, I, I wonder what I could do that would really be a thoughtful gesture. Well, I've got some expensive perfume. Maybe I'll just break it and put it on his feet. That's not what's happening. She knew beforehand he's going to die but no sense anointing him after he's dead because he's going to rise again from the dead. And so the only thing I can do, she did what she could, I'll anoint him prior to his death as an indication I know it's going to happen. Not only that, but, but in the, in the uh, Luke 10 passage, 
Remember when Martha kind of goes bananas and goes, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She's left me to do all the work. And what does Jesus say to Martha? Martha, Martha, repeats her name, by the way, very unusual. It only happens three or four times in, in the entire New Testament. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you to sift you like wheat. Martha, Martha, you are upset about many things. Can you think of another instance? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Hebrew language, in, in the original Greek or Aramaic, when you repeat a person's name, it's for emphasis. Martha, Martha, you are upset about pots and pans, many things. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not what? Be taken from her. Do you know what that phrase means? Mary has sat at my feet listening. You're worried about pots and pans and a meal that, you know what, it's going to be irrelevant 24 hours from now. But what she is doing, it will never be taken from her. It is permanent. It is eternal. It will change and transform her on the inside. By the way, because she sat at her feet, at Jesus' feet, it was not taken from her, she knew he was going to die. Isn't it interesting? Disciples didn't know that. How, how was it that Mary knew that, but the disciples didn't know that? They spent more time with Jesus than she did. How was it that she was able to discern, you know what? I figured this thing out. He's going to die, and then he's going to rise again from the dead. So I better anoint him now. I think that leads us to our first insight, and this is number one. I think one of the keys is, if you spend time with Jesus in his word, listening to his word, and as you worship him, something is going to happen that's intangible. You are going to be able to discern the direction of his heart, that's why she understood. Besides that, if you look at the passage, look at the, the, the ch what chapter did this happen in John's gospel? 12. When was Lazarus raised from the dead? 11. See, she's processing this thing. She says, you know what? She just heard Jesus say to her sister, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet he will live again. Do you believe this? Lord, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Next thing you know, what happens? Lazarus comes up from the dead. This is chapter 11. This story is in the very next chapter. She's processing this. She's, 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 synthesized. she's putting this together. She goes, I know it's going to happen. He's going to die. But just like my brother, the key, right there. You spend time in the Word and worshiping and being broken before Him. 
you will have an unusual sensitivity to what the Lord is doing beyond what other people can, can sense. I believe that's what's taking place here. Number two. True worship is always costly. It will always involve brokenness. By the way, in, in some of these parallel accounts, in some of the other Gospels, it actually tells us how much the perfume was worth. What does it say? Year's wages. I had looked this up. Do you know what the, the average, the, do you know what the median income in America is? You take all the incomes, see, highest to lowest, what's right in the middle? $52,000. $52,000. I don't earn that. So I'm, Below the median. This perfume was worth, in today's dollars, over 50 grand. Costly. This is expensive. She breaks the, the, the bottle was broken. By the way, that, that's not the only thing that was broken. What else was broken? Think about it. Besides the bottle, remember the scriptures and the object lessons, something, other things were broken as well. What else was broken? Her heart? How about her hair? You aware of the fact that Jewish culture once a woman marries, once a woman becomes of age, she never releases her hair in public. To this day, Jewish women do not wear their hair down. Only two, only two kinds of females wear their hair down. Little girls and who else? Pro hookers. So, so, so to have your hair broken in public and to release your hair, which again, this is a cultural issue, that says she dried his feet with her hair. It's a sign of great brokenness. And you just don't do that. Broken people do that, see? And she goes, you know what, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be... I'm broken, my heart's broken, my hair's broken, my pride's broken. And incidentally, worship will always involve that. See, worship will always cost you something. It's gonna cost you time, it's gonna cost you your pride. I've said this before, well, I, I, I can't sing. It's irrelevant, it's an irrelevant comment. God doesn't say, well, worship me only if you can sing. No, I'm supposed to sing regardless, see. Make a joyful noise. Because it, to be honest with you, it's really kind of hard to stand there and look cool while you're singing. But broken people do that. Broken people don't care, see. Broken people say, I, I, I am willing to worship 
because my heart, my heart is broken and it's filled at the same time. Notice it says, and John is the only one that makes this statement. And the house was filled with what? The fragrance of the perfume. What is the detail that John is trying to capture? Her, in other words, her act of devotion not only brings joy to the heart of the Lord, but fragrance to the entire house. And, and not just to that room. It didn't say, and by the way, if you stood around Mary and Jesus at that moment, you could really smell this stuff. No, no, no. It, it, what did it do? It filled the entire house, which means it went beyond where she was immediately present. Seems to me that what Jesus is saying, and eventually he will say this, that when, when, when you do these sorts of things, that the impact of what you do goes beyond that moment where you are. And Jesus kind of gives commentary on by that by saying, and by the way, throughout the rest of eternity, people will talk about this incident. See, he's underscoring that principle. And I, and I kind of brought this together for number three. When I serve the Lord like that, it, it, with brokenness and devotion, not only will blessing happen to my household, but it's also going to impact other people that I, will, I don't even realize It's so strange. I got a close friend of mine that I'm sure is listening online. His name's Steve McFarlane. Steve's one of my prayer partners and texts me almost every day and we pray together. And he, he goes, I'm not going to text you today. He said, I, 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 I need to talk to you. So I said, well, better for me to call you with me teaching. So Friday during my prep period, I take up my cell phone, go out in the hallway, and I, and I say, Steve, this, this, is, this is Joel. Yeah. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He said, I got a guy in my Bible study who said to me, he goes, I about fell off the floor. And I, we were talking about our, he goes, he's in his 60s or 70s. He's in my Bible study. And I said, well, tell me your story. And he goes, my story is, way back, I came to Christ, I was, in a, I was a hippie, but I came to Christ back at Ball State. He goes, there's two guys that had this Bible study. One's name was Tom Cash, and the other's name was Joel DeSelm. 45 years ago. And, he, and, and Steve McFarlane, my buddy, says, and here's the guy's name. I don't even, I don't even recognize his name. And he goes, and, and, and this, I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm just saying, it's proving my point. He goes, you continue to minister to people. You are going to touch people in ways that you don't even realize That will last for years. And I said, well, you tell him that I said hello. And he goes, well, just a second. He said, let me, let me text you his, his picture. 
And so he texts his picture. Here it is, right here. He texts a picture of this guy. And, and, he, and, he's, and he goes, his name's you know, Stephen Pierce. I said, wait a minute, I, I know this guy. That's not Stephen Pierce, that's Tom Pierce. He did some checking, well, oh, that's his middle name. I said, he must have gone by his middle name at Ball State. But he goes, there's the guy, some old ball guy. See? I tell you, you are having an impact on people's lives by, 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 your, by your lifestyle, by your words, by your minute, even by things that you're not even aware of. That God is using that in the lives of other people. And that's what happened in the life of Mary. She was broken and spilled out. The jar was broken and spilled out. The Apostle Paul says, even if I am poured out as a drink offering, I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you willingly went to the cross. That your body was broken for us and that your blood was spilled. We thank you for so great a salvation that is ours. And Lord, may we never lose sight of this. Like Mary, give us unusual discernment as we spend time at your feet, listening to your word and pleading, worshiping. I pray, Lord, that we might be broken and spilled out for you. We've got one life to give. One life. Lord, I give it to you. It's yours. Use me and waste me however you choose that others might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand so we could bless one another as we're dismissed? And let me just say, as always, if you'd like to come and pray at the altars when we're done, uh, you're welcome to, and uh, someone would be happy to meet you here and pray with you. After I pronounce the blessing, if you'd say, and also to you in that way, as priests and saints will bless one another. In your brokenness, may you worship Jesus. As you worship Jesus, may you be filled up with his healing love for you. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You are loved. Go with grace.